This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. And welcome to the preview show. I'm Chris Hambling, not Terence Ford, and I frankly don't really know how to host this show. But I am joined by a man who knows how to be on this show, and it's Sam Heskiff. Hooray! Hooray! Yay! I guess we should explain Terence is. Well, you can say what Terence is doing because I, I would talk dismissively about it. Um, well, Terence has not been living in his house of late um, because it, it needs to be decorated, and because he's got. Um, things going on mm. which have shortened the timeline for it to be done um he's sort of he's got a lot of that going on um and i think it's decorating related isn't it yeah i'll great. be honest with you my my um reading of our <laughs> back of the nest whatsapp chat has dwindled in the last couple of days because i've legitimately been doing work so no, that's that's fair enough um i just see it as uh, evidence that terence just simply cares about himself more than our listeners and you know that's the polar opposite of me. All I care about is our listeners. Um, their and he, here you are at short notice, well, rolling in to help out. Yeah, not not only am I speaking and hosting, but I'm also recording as well, like a champ. Um, champ, champ, one of those two things, isn't it? So this <laughs> usually starts with a, um, a discussion on, on drinking, and I believe you're sticking mm. to type and you are drinking. My name is Hans. Drinking has ruined my life. I am. So what we'll do for regular listeners is we'll pretend that the Heineken swear word uh, audio is played. Mm-hmm. Um, and normally this would be the time where Albert says he's drinking Heineken. Yep. And Terry will talk about, you know, moss-flavoured light IPA, something or other. <laughs> And basically, I just come in. It's like what it's one of the three beers that I usually drink because they're available at the supermarket. Um, so today, I'm drinking Asahi, which is quite oh. nice. Um, but as I was mentioning before we started recording, um, I actually had quite a lot to drink yesterday, and I'm not sure that drinking a beer now is the best idea. But I'm doing it. Yeah, I mean, so we'll see where it takes me. Exactly. One of 
two things could happen, couldn't it? And either should be relatively entertaining. So, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Now, you have just fingers a moment. Crossed, I, I forgot to mention that Albert wasn't here either. Um, and that's that's a very late thing, unfortunately. So, um, But fingers crossed he will be back with us um, fairly soon. That sounds like, you know, he's been, he's like, you know, got a major illness or something. It's not, it's not that. Yeah, I mean, he... Usually he's just away on holiday. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. Yeah, just just on this occasion. In terms of drinking, I am because I'm from the review show. And we're a bit more hardcore, aren't we? Um, I am drinking straight Bushmills. Um, so bloody hell! Last time I did that on a show, I got um, what I would class as accidentally drunk and couldn't read the outro. So. Um, Fingers crossed something similar goes on this time. Yeah, this is shaping up to be some episode. <laughs> Absolutely right. It may well end up when we were planning for it to be shorter than a usual preview show, given that there's only two of us. And let's face it, we haven't done any preparation, really, have we? So, um, But we don't need to tell the listeners that. I mean, I have, but I didn't need to. I could, whilst we're in a monologuing, uh, out, outwardly, I suppose it's not in a monologue, isn't it? Um, monologue. What I what I will start with is um, the last show that we did. Um, I mentioned someone that I work with who was doing dry January, but had a drink two hours into New Year's Day. So I think he failed after two hours, and he's adamant he didn't. And he is demanding, not asking for, demanding an apology. So I just want to start off the show by saying that he's not going to get one because I'm right. Well, um, and this is this is the same person who I have beef with because of yesterday's quiz night at the university that I work at. Um, so, if anyone's interested in that, I'm happy to tell them. <laughs> do we think? Do we, do we? Do we think it's worth doing? I think. I think we could. Do. I mean, for a start, it sounds like you really need to start giving us more information about this person, anyway, about where they can be contacted, where they live, what they're general preferences in life are just to really well, start I, to escalate this i will say that he supports manchester united Ugh. from um, manchester though right absolutely not oh shock um he's in fact he's from dublin um and we we had um irish beef i've got many beefs with him we had <laughs> irish beef because two of my mates at palace are from cork so if i have any allegiance to an irish city it's cork so he doesn't like that. Apparently Cork and Dublin have, have their own beef. Um, but yesterday we had a, a quiz night, um, at, as I say, at the university I work at in the student union. And um, he was on a different team to me. He was on the same team as my wife, who works in the same office as me. And they were, you know, giving me giving me some abuse about how they were going to wipe the floor with us and all that. Um, but... One of the things you had to do was obviously make up a team name and we were told that there will be a prize for the best team name, which turned out to be a bar of chocolate, which is no small prize. Um, and so anyway, her, my wife and, and, and this guy's team won best team name and I, I'm i not happy about it, I'll be honest. So Their team name, cool. right, their team name, which they Googled, they didn't think of it themselves for a start, was I Am Smarticus. Right, not a terrible name, not the worst no. name I've ever heard. But no. my team's name was Current. It was a little bit edgy. Okay. Um, it was Wuhan Clan. I mean, yeah, that's good. You've done, yeah. I, I yeah. thought so. I thought so. Um, the person who decided that the, the the woman who was setting the quiz 
was a like homely looking 50 year old lady mm. lovely lady probably doesn't understand what the name is and i think that's why we didn't win yeah you were too contemporary um, that's what happened there and I, we were and, and i then walked into being told that their team had won the entire competition which is not true um i don't want to be petty but i'm not having it you seem pretty so angry. um I've got to yeah, say, I, think that, go on, I mean, if, if you're going to Google a quiz team name and you don't select quiz team at Aguilera, I mean, what is wrong with Oh, you? that's a good one. Well, I wanted my team to be called Quiz Tour Palace. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that's, um, that's, you know. But no one else on my team gives a shit about football. <laughs> so I, I, I went with Wuhan Clan. I went with the coronavirus instead of my football team. Um, both of which can be, well, I was going to say can be lethal, but we can't, can we? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think I think in certain circumstances. Well, look, I, I think I think you were the real winner there, morally. Thank you. You moral were victory. Yeah, so, thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate I it. And, and I hope your uh, your colleague, because let's not call him friend, has been a uh, you know has been put in his I'm, place. I will say I'm going to tell him that I apologised to make him listen, mm. and then just watch his reactions when he realises. That I'm mugging him off. Absolutely right, and you know, as I just like to say to him, look, have some self-respect, sake. Exactly. Um, yeah, so I appreciate the support on that, and uh, I will keep regular listeners up to date on what nonsense he's talking next week. Well, I can't wait to to tune into that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded sarcastic. I genuinely meant it. Um, I don't know. We're obviously going to move on to something else now, Heskiff, but I don't really know how Terence usually likes to do these things. So what I'm going to do is just do this. Fantastic. Works for me. Yeah, that's right. And I think we'll probably, let's just probably keep that in. That sounds great. Um, rather than use it as an edit point, I don't even know who's supposed to be editing this. Let's hope it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so let's take a wry look around the world of football. <laughs> like, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and obviously, Man City, big news this week, booted out of European competition from next season for two years, apparently. Mm. Whether that sticks, we're not going to be so sure, are we? But quite dramatic news. And, and you know, I don't know if, if you're in the camp of finally looks like something might be being done to correctly apply FFP or whether you're in the camp, which I might be in of, uh, you know, they're not even applying rules consistently. Um, and I don't really know what it means or what will happen. And I'm not sure I care. Um, I was surprised, to be honest, when I first read it, that they've done because normally they just do fines don't they and for I mean that's the whole point is for teams like this the fines are usually sort of pocket change so I was surprised when they got the ban I, I'd be surprised even more surprised if it's upheld to be honest mm. you know maybe maybe it'll come down to a year but I'd be surprised if it's two um, I think you're right I think consistency needs to be a lot better because I'm sure there are many teams who are doing similar things you know getting loans from sort of themselves and sponsoring something and naming right something else to sort of get around it. Um, because, you know, Man City can't be the only team doing it, no, no. especially with the amount of money that's new money that's coming in over the last, whatever, 10 years, or whatever it is, 15 years from dubious sources, you know. Um, so whether, whether this is the sort of the start of it, you know, the, the Jenga pulling the block away from the bottom of the jungle pile and it all falls down or whether it's just like 
you know, a one-off way to be seen. But yeah, I think if they're going to do it, they should do it properly um, and consistently, like you said. I think what concerns me is that obviously the kind of type of activity that they've done, you know, as you as you're saying, could be repeated, but probably on a on a lower scale at some some smaller clubs. You know, look at our our way of operating, of trying to generate enough income to kind of buy players, pay wages, all that kind of stuff. We're at nearly eighty percent of turnover on wages, really struggling unless people somehow find a way of putting money into our club. And by not doing it, we're we're not competitive really in the transfer market at the moment. And you look at all the clubs that are very competitive in the transfer market at our size, even in the division below, quite clearly they can't all be conforming to FFP. And personally, I just think, what's the point? The point of financial fair play was to find a way of levelling the playing field. But, you know, it's been often said by other people, you know, who, who analyse football, saying that really all it does is protect the elite further because it, it prevents smaller clubs from from sort of spending at the levels that they need to kind of make that progress. So it, it just feels a bit weird to me. I don't, you know, I think that there's the, you know, the, the aspects of looking in from afar and thinking, oh, wouldn't it be amazing if they got relegated or, you know, what what will Pep do if he can't be in the Champions League? You see Champions League for a couple of seasons. So you're looking at that aspect and thinking it might be an interesting spectacle, but... Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily know if it's good for the game unless unless we can get to that level of consistency. But there you go. All right, well, it's worth talking about, wasn't it? Just a little chat. There's some wonderful opinions from both of us. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna change the world with this kind of stuff. Um, so I think next up, we can't help but um, refer to this winter break that we've we've been on. Um, I've enjoyed it, and as you might be able to tell, I seem to be a little bit rusty in terms of hosting podcasts, but. Um, what have you been doing yourself without football? Well, yeah, it's weird because when we were talking beforehand and you said we we're going to talk about the winter break, I'd sort of forgotten that it was a thing, you know, um, because it's split over two weeks and there seems to be football on every day anyway. I was just sort of quite happy that, you know, I'd have a week in between Palace being crap and losing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. What what have I been doing? Well, actually, I'll give I'll give him a little shout out because I can tell you what I've been doing. Um, I, as some people may know, also go and watch uh, my local ice hockey team, Streatham, Streatham Redhawks. Yeah. And uh, this weekend we played in a, in a cup final, a two legged cup final against our big rivals from Gillingham. I actually went to Gillingham on Saturday evening. I'm so sorry to hear that. Yeah, it was grim. Mm. I, I won't lie, it was grim. I went. I went. Um, in the you know cold wind and rain, got to the ice rink. Obviously, ice rinks are going to be cold to some degree because it's a massive slab of ice. But mm. Streatham's is quite nice, and it's usually only right at the end where you feel a bit a bit chilly. Uh, but we got to Gillingham's uh, rink, went in, stood with you know the away fans. You could see your breath straight away before it even started. I was absolutely frozen. Um, but the good news is we beat them seven three away, and we beat them six two at home. And uh, it means we won a trophy for the first time in 38 years. Oh wow! So it is possible. So that's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty good. <laughs> I, I was because I, you know, like obviously I support them and I, and I really want them to do well. They're not up there at, like Palace, but I was to quote Wilf, absolutely buzzing when yeah. they won. I was like really chuffed. And then it just made me think: if Palace ever win a major trophy, I think I'm just going to collapse. 
Listen, mate, I was I there. I don't know what I'll do. I was there for the Zenith Data Systems Cup final at, at the old Wembley. I know what it's like. It was oh, the dream. It was glorious, you know. Imagine imagine as well being 1-1 one, one at full time and winning 4-1 after extra time. How um, many games do you think it would take us to score four goals now? <laughs> <laughs> That's the first question I've got. Oh, God. Don't. You've just brought me back to reality again. That's the last thing I needed. Um God, that's depressing at the moment, isn't it? It re- it really is. Just, I was on a um, a, a podcast recording yesterday. Um, shout out because it's our sponsor. It's um, the Pitch Sport Football app. Um, Pitch DMM is the app. Do download it. Um, it's it's you know again it's early days at the moment, but there's some great content on there. Lots of videos. There's often a video question from Dr. Kernaz. You know the Dr. Kernaz is on there. Um, and there's also ways of you know picking your team and doing predictions and all that kind of stuff. So get yourself signed up, download that, start interacting with us on that. Um, what you know, it's, it's good. It was almost like I meant to include that there, but anyway, <laughs> I um, so I jumped on their podcast. I think I was intent uh, scheduled to be in there for about 15 minutes, but I ended up being on for about an hour um, with Johnny Salarco and uh, a chap called Paul Schofield, and we had some interesting conversations and and, and talked a lot about. Um, the well, one of the subjects we got onto was the FA Cup final because um, Mr. Salako, who, who was referenced on this podcast last week, um, but we won't draw too much attention to that. Um, but uh, you know, John's one of my absolute Palace heroes. Love the guy, um, and obviously was very prominent in my my early years because it's the time I started supporting Palace, and and he was reminiscing a little bit with myself about finishing third and not getting into Europe and all this kind of stuff. But um, I had to remind him of um, of Mark Clattenburg because he referred to some comments that Clattenburg had been making in the press and, and referred to Clattenburg as a good referee. So I Oof. I reminded him about the FA Cup and just said, look, don't don't you remember the FA Cup final, John? When you know he absolutely screwed us over. It was terrible. And then he reminded me that he was actually first team coach that day. So um, yeah, so both of us had had memory failures as well. But he did agree with me that um, the appropriate thing to have done whilst Pardew was doing his jig would have been to slide in with both feet and take him out. Um, and John regrets not doing that. So. Good on him, um, and he blames the entire defeat on that jig, which I think is probably correct, isn't it? Clattenburg, yeah, absolutely, absolutely fair. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Now, I did lose my train of thought there. Um, I, I don't, if I hadn't said as much, would you have picked up on it? Uh, no. No. You, you covered it very well up until the point where just, you mentioned it. I just mentioned it, didn't I? Um, we're doing a good job of just saying everything that's in our head at the moment. I think this is 
prime time podcasting. Well, maybe both of us. Maybe that's the thing that's missing in the podcasting world. Just two people, no preparation, not really any clue of what they're going to talk about. Just saying everything that comes into their head. I know yeah, that's but... what you do usually, isn't it? You, you <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not uh, change a broken team. <laughs> exactly right. Um, hey, let's let's move on to talk about some other stuff. But before we do that, well, no, I'm not. Do you know what? I'm going to save the the drum and ballpark sound for for the split between this and the actual preview itself. Let's talk about the fact it's the anniversary of uh, the chant. Where the fuck is Speroni? Um, that was the day where we played Watford. I've completely already forgotten how many years ago it was, but it was this week, an anniversary of it. And um, yeah, it, the fog at Watford away was just so heavy, you could barely see, you know, 10 metres in front, let alone to the other end of the pitch. And it was probably one of our, our finest moments as a supporters, uh, as a group of supporters coming up with with that chant. It caught on brilliantly. Lots of hilarity ensued, but it was ridiculous to think that we played football in that. But you had a, a different perspective, Eskif. I did. Um, unfortunately, I didn't go to the game. Uh, there was a reason, which I can't remember, but um, I found commentary on the radio. I don't know if it was like a BBC thing or Palace Player, whatever it, whatever that was called. Um, but it was it was almost as good because basically the commentary team or the commentator couldn't see what was going on either. So he sort of commentated up to the point where they went into the fog. Um, then you could hear the Palace fans singing about Speroni and he couldn't answer the question. <laughs> um, so it, it, it was, yeah, it was quite funny because it was about, you know, however long it was, about half an hour of him saying, well, I think I think Palace have got the ball. And then it'll be, you know, there'd be a bit of science. And he was like, no, no, here come Watford. Watford have got the ball now. And it was just like, you know, he might as well have just been sitting looking at a wall and, and making it up as he went along. It was it was pretty good. Yeah, I kind of, I've tried a little bit of commentary. It's, it's hard enough at the best of times. So I constantly got distracted by things. Like, I think I spent 20 minutes talking about the difference between bees and wasps while trying to commentate on an under-23s game. It is very, very hard to keep that level of focus. But to not be able to see what's in front of you, probably, you know, that's one, one, one hell of a challenge, but it can't quite believe that the obviously the game was was played in those conditions. But hey, you know it's uh, one of those lovely little memories that you think back on. That it's it's up there with the the you know Barnsley scoring after seven seconds on a cold Tuesday night, that kind of stuff. It's all those things that you think about the kind of most bizarre and and also terrible moments, and usually cold moments following Palace that kind of stick in stick in your mind and. That was a great one. So nice to see that thing pop up on social media. Anyway, it's about time we started talking about the game ahead against Newcastle at Selhurst Park coming up this weekend. And we'll do that after I click these buttons and make this sound. I think that's a keeper. I think you should do that all the time. Um, Right. So it is time to talk about Palace's attempt to play Newcastle at Selhurst Park. I've referred to this um, podcast recording. It's named Newcastle defeat, Newcastle home defeat. So Mm -hmm. you can see where my brain is with it. And, you know, you can probably pick the team that Roy's going to select, even with, uh, with the injuries. You can certainly do so after the press conference that will be um, out probably by the time you hear this, or at least at a similar time you hear this. And, 
you know, it's very, very hard to get yourself up for a game at the moment. But, if, you know, it's Palace, it's at home, it's Sellers Park. We've got to get down there, got to support them and, and really hope for the best. But I am filled with a sort of weird combination of ennui and dread. And I've used the word ennui there. Did you like that? I did. Good. I did. I mean, being a bit French myself, any French word is uh, worth a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel special. I feel special. Did you have a sense of ennui and dread? Yeah, I live my life with a sense of ennui <laughs> and dread, to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those games where, I mean, you look at the games coming up, I think it's Newcastle, Brighton and Bournemouth. Um, certainly they're, they're all coming up and they're they're huge games, you know, because at the moment we're, we're back at that stage now where we watch teams below us play and want teams that we don't like normally to win. You know, like I watched Villa Tottenham. I, I don't care about Tottenham, but when they scored the last minute winner against against Villa, you know, I was really happy about that. Yeah. And when and you, you know you got teams below us playing each other and they get a draw and you think, well, that's that's the best result for us. But when you play those teams, obviously you you know it's a I don't want to say six pointer, but but obviously there's there's more riding on it because you think of how good it would be to put more space between you and them. Um, but with that comes, you know, more pressure and how much worse it is to lose to them than it is to lose to, you know, Man City or Liverpool or whoever. So I think I think with us in Newcastle, I don't think either team are, are brilliant. You know, we neither team tend to score too many goals and, that being said, I did watch a bit of the Arsenal Newcastle game, and in the first half, Newcastle were actually playing pretty well. Yeah, um, I know this is not a, an Arsenal team that anyone's really scared of anymore, but but they did look pretty good, and I think it was only Arsenal scoring two in two goals in two minutes that really killed Newcastle. Um, at which point, I uh, I stopped watching, so I don't know if if the four 0 was justified or not, but. Yeah, it's one of those where I think it's two two not great teams, and you know you wouldn't be betting on a sort of three or draw. It's it's probably going to be a sort of ground out one nil, either way, or just a tedious nil nil. I think. <laughs> well, that's I mean you know the way they played against Arsenal, and I suppose you've got to consider it in the same context that we we lift our game and play better against the, the top six sides, but that's because our approach very much suits that. Um, mm. But obviously. Newcastle won't, you know, come to Selhurst Park with any fear, given the run that we're on and the way that we've been performing. Um, you know, because to be fair, they'd only have needed to scout us once to know exactly what we're going to do. But they, I'm sure they probably scouted <laughs> us more than once. But um, they, you know, they won't they won't hold back. And I think we will do what we usually do and try and sit back for the first 45, and then potentially change things and have a go in the second 45 if we feel like it. And you know, as as you say, that kind of lends itself to a uh, to a to a nil nil or a, or one nil either way kind of thing, um, but mm. and and you can't see that changing. We you know we haven't changed the squad. You know, there's been a couple of injuries and, but not enough really to force Roy's hand in any major way. And it's it's not likely to spring any tactical surprises either. But and it could come down to a, a battle that the Newcastle Evening Chronicle picked out. 
um, which was they did a comparison of who was the better player, Alan St. Maximin or Wilfred Zaha. And weirdly, the Newcastle Chronicle went for St. Maximin. Um, Strange. And, and they, did, they based it on some stats. You know how when you select stats that suit your argument and omit other mm. stats and omit general play and length of time in the Premier League and, and consistency over a number of years. If you omit all those things um, and just general facts around the fact that he's much, Zaha's much better, you can kind of prove anything you want, can't you? Yeah, I mean, I, I've mentioned a few times about stats. And to be fair, I work in I work with stats uh, in, as part of my job. So I don't think they're completely pointless, obviously, but you need a lot of context with them. Um, and I think that's exactly right, what you're saying. We know Wilf's a better player. I'm not saying St. Maximan isn't a good player by any means. Um, and, you know, I think Wilf, Wilf is still very capable of turning a game, even though his form is not, as explosive as normal but I think one thing that will that will help if Roy does it I'm not sure that he will is you know having Andros come back should be a big help because if you if you have two legitimate wide men playing you would think that Wilf would get a bit more space because if we can get the ball moving a bit quicker left to right I know all of these things are very unlike Palace you would have less you know you wouldn't have four people standing in in front of Wilf that he's got to try and get past, which is what it is at the moment. Um, that being said, I mean, against Everton, Roy takes takes a decision to, instead of bringing on the wide man to cross the ball for Benteke, who I thought had another pretty good game, mm. um, put our most sort of industrious and effective midfielder at right back and then bring on Chekiate. Yeah. Which, I mean, it really baffled me at the time. By that point, I was sort of huffing and puffing at the telly um, about the decision. And we don't need to go into sort of Roy's subs too much here. But I think, unfortunately, it doesn't bode particularly well for Andros getting a a starting spot, much as I think it would help us, especially with Benteke playing, to to mix it up in that way. Yeah, it's funny as well. When you talk about mixing it up, the, the weird thing is that everyone kind of seems to agree that we should do that. But when you try and make, try and suggest like a, a fairly significant change, where so for example, I think both McCarthy and MacArthur should be dropped, and that's not because I don't think either are good players, and I don't, and I don't rate their contribution or anything like that. I just think they're too similar to Luka Milivojevic in stature and, and style. Um, and if you know, in my view, we should have two screening midfielders, and I would want Koyate and and Milivojevic to be that because I think they cover each other's weaknesses. And if you're going to have two players sitting, you might as well do that. And then that offers a spot just ahead of them for for someone else to be a bit more attacking minded to get you know in and around the the, the striker uh, to drift out wide and support the wide players to sort of protect them when they're they're doubled and tripled up on that kind of stuff. And I think that's the kind of thinking I want to see. But the second you say stuff like that, oh, you can't drop McArthur; he's one of our best players. And you know, Roy is ref- keeps referring to how great McCarthy is. I wonder if he's got, you know, a horse in that race in terms of insisting that we signed McCarthy. And then now he's yeah, yeah weird that. Well, that's the only thing I could think because, you know, when, when the, the first few games when McCarthy was coming in as a sub and he was sort of getting stuck in and getting in people's faces, you're like, all right, that's good because we don't have much of that. I, I, I like that. But now you're a few months in and you're and he and he's starting and he's getting a, a consistent run in the team. And that's still sort of the only thing I can say about him, which is not great. Um, 
But yeah, like I mean, everyone's going to have different opinions about which players to drop and which players to bring in. But I think a lot, the majority of people seem to acknowledge that there does need to be some sort of change. And that's an issue because, you know, I feel like we were talking about it this time last year as well, where it just doesn't, it just doesn't change. Like you say, Newcastle can scout a game. You can probably, you know, scout a first half for about five minutes and say, right, well, that that's easy. And then just watch the second half because that's when we're, you know, all right. Um, and I just think, you know, Roy seems to let the shackles off when everything's safe. You know, he did it last year and we played some really nice stuff and scored more goals and went on the attack more. And we were a bit more cavalier, but it was good to watch and we still won most of those games. But he, he you know, he's obviously of, of the opinion that we need to be safe first before he can do it. And that's the main concern. Well, exactly. Um, and, and obviously the, the question is that are those methods actually going to keep us safe this time? You'd like to think so, but I think the evidence of the last... I mean, even if you just just went with the last ten games, the evidence really isn't there that that it will necessarily be enough at the moment. And you're quite right earlier when you pointed out the importance of these games. And and the thing is, you know, going back to to, to the Newcastle game in particular and in these games against teams sort of in and around us, I genuinely think if we went a bit more expansive, and I'm not saying gung ho, you know, like five men in attack or anything like that, but I think if we if we pushed it a bit a bit more. There's a very capable team there. I mean, we've not got a squad of crap players. Um, you know, I, I think we're very capable of, of pushing, especially pushing up the table, especially in a season where really the, the stand of the league this year is not, not brilliant other than Liverpool, really. Um, and I just think it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a wasted opportunity. Um, now, listen, if we, if we grind out a 1-0 win on Saturday against Newcastle, I'm not going to complain about it mm. because we need wins. You know, we need to do something. Um, but I just really, it, it's more that I think we've got a lot more in the tank that we're not sort of tapping into. Um, and I think, you know, even one or two changes tactically, whether that's system or players, we'll be able to get us something a bit more. Um and and I think it, it becomes more apparent in games against teams like Newcastle, who are sort of pretty pretty much on our level form wise and the way they play and you know that sort of thing. So um, that's why it's become a bit of a worry as we go into these games because really we need to win. We probably need to win a couple of them at least. I would say. Oh, definitely. I, you know, I'm genuinely scared that if we if we're not as close as to 40 points as we as we possibly can get to in the next four games, I think we're in for a very, very difficult run-in. And you can argue that we'll, we might well pull out a supply, surprise result against a, a, you know, a good side, as we're more than capable of doing and seem to do every year, but it's not something that you can rely on. And when you can't really rely on, <laughs> on your form in any game, as we can't at the moment... Um, certainly nervous times. And again, we talked about it earlier, you, you know, we're starting to look around at other results. I'm looking at City beating West Ham as we're recording this. And, um, you know, that's that is a huge relief because that's a team below us losing a game that they, you know, would be expected to lose. But, you know, you always worry that they might pull a result and put you, put you under more pressure. Um, Newcastle, obviously, they're, they're in relatively good shape at the moment. And, Steve Bruce was not necessarily the most popular choice when he joined, although obviously being a, a local lad, got some degree of um, 
of credit, I guess, um, with with the Newcastle fans. But he seems really to have, have sort of turned things around there. Um, and his, his son Alex, who we had a, a wonderful exchange with from the terraces um, when we played Ipswich, and they beat us bafflingly, beat us four one in a game where we absolutely dominated. And we sang the wonderful song um, "Your S and Your Dad's a C" to him, um, where he. And I know it's traditional to actually use the swear words on the previous show, but hey, I've got class. Um, <laughs> but he gave us the four one behind his back as well, so a nice little bit of banter there, which um, which I enjoyed. But the thing is, he he was terrible, and his dad was anyway. Um, so, but uh, he he talked about the fact that actually, you know, Steve Bruce has, has said that he sort of regrets the way he left Palace and the time that he left Palace and does sort of wonder what he might have achieved had he stayed. And it was interesting to see that come out because the only other time I saw that talked about was Steve Bruce was writing in the programme for Dougie Friedman's testimonial. I can't remember why. You would have thought it would have been the previous game where they restaged the FA Cup final, but it was definitely the testimonial. And he talked about exactly those words that, you know, he felt it was a great opportunity, Birmingham and all that kind of stuff. And he just kind of lost sight of what he was doing what and what he potentially could have achieved at Palace he, and just focused on something different. And it was only after leaving that he kind of realised, well, hold on a second. I had, I had that team playing amazing football, top of the league, and we could have strengthened and then gone at the print. What, you know, there was actually no need to jump ship at that time. But... Um, so, I mean, I don't know if you, where you are on Steve Bruce. Do you, do you still hate him or did you ha- even hate him at the time when he left? Yeah, I hated him at the time. Um, I think a lot of it was because, you know, he, he sort of already had a bit of a reputation of up in sticks and, and leaving clubs in the lurch. And we sort of were like, well, look, we'll give you an opportunity to build something and get away from that and, you know, show what you can do. And then for him to leave, also, yeah, like you say, at the time we were playing brilliant football, we were scoring loads of goals, we were top. I remember going to Molyneux, um, we beat them 1-0 and, and leapfrogged them. And you just think, well, you know, why, why on earth would you do that? You're giving up all the support, all the backing we've given you. Obviously, something good is, is going on here. Um, and at the time, Birmingham were boring and crap, but it turns out, that's because Trevor Francis was their manager. So didn't really work out that well for Palace. <laughs> no. Um, and I remember him coming back as Birmingham manager and there was, you know, a lot of, he got a lot of abuse that day. Now, I mean, it's, it's a long time ago, isn't it? I don't, I don't, I don't really care anymore, yeah. to be honest. I don't, I don't hate him. I just don't, I, ne- I never think of Steve Bruce. So <laughs> I'm pretty ambivalent towards him, to be fair. Yeah. Shame Albert's not with us. I know he often thinks of Steve Bruce. Um, and it's a big fan of Steve's books, as, I'm, as I, I believe is the case. But And if you didn't know that Steve Bruce wrote fiction, shame on you. Check it out. Um, but anyway, look, it's 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 a game where we're playing a team one point above us. It's a chance to, if we get something off them, to climb the table a little bit. Um, but I suppose your mind can't help but wander back to the, the corresponding fixture. Was it December, wasn't it? I think it was just before Christmas, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, it was, yeah. And obviously, Almiron's first goal for Newcastle, because that's what happens to Palace, isn't it? Goal droughts will sort that right out for you. Long periods of time without a win, sort that right out for you. Um, player, ex-player coming back, guaranteed a goal, all those kinds of things. So, you know, we were very generous to Almiron. Um, but, you know, from my recollection, you know, it's an away game, so we tend to be a little bit better in away games because mm. the, the opponents open up a little bit against us rather than, 
at home where they're a little bit more compact and ask us to break them down and then realize we're not going to even try. So um, away we, you know, we had that little, we, I think we created, I don't know, it was a lot, it was a lot of uh, shots at goal, but we had a lot of chances that we created, um, but again, didn't score anything. Um, and perhaps in this game, we were a little unlucky, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, bottom line is it's, it's Crystal Palace nil again. And it's, you know, that was at a time when we were actually playing reasonably well. So you can't help but look at that game and think we're in a worse position and they're possibly in a better one. Yeah, I mean, that game was sort of the reverse of the year before in that Newcastle, the year we won, Newcastle were, were sort of quite comfortably better than us and, and we scored a penalty 10 minutes ago. But I thought this year we actually played all right. I thought we, like you say, we made made quite a few chances and really deserved... I mean, arguably deserved a win, let alone let alone a draw. But it's just that case, like you say, you know, we're not we don't create loads of chances, which means that we have to take those opportunities when they come. Um, if you look at the Everton game, we were sort of a little bit lucky with a goal. I mean, I'm, I thought Benteke had let it run too far, taken touch too far, but good. And then the keepers pulled out an unbelievable save for for, for Benteke's header. Um, you know, and then you could sort of say, well, at two all, then, you know, you're taking your chances, you're looking all right. Well, I think that might, that might have made it 2-1 to us, actually. Yeah, I think so. But that's the thing. Like, it, you know, we, we, we're not creating enough chances to be able to, to win matches. You know, I can't really see us scoring two goals in the game, which was fine earlier on in the season when our defence was very, very good and we weren't really letting that many goals in. But now we've started letting goals in fairly consistently, which means that we've got to score two goals to win. Um, And we're finding that quite difficult. So, yeah, I think it it, it is going to be very tough on Saturday because I think both teams will not want to be broken down. I think they'll make it hard for the other team to break them down. Um, And, you know, you mentioned that we make it easy to end runs and that. That Joel Linton has looked crap every time I've seen him, and and now that Almiron's got you know broken his duck, I've got a horrible feeling Joel Linton is scoring the winner on Saturday. Oh, there we go. And your prediction against Everton was absolutely bang on as well, wasn't it? So it I was mean, two weeks in a row. Yeah, I'm quite scared of that. Well, look, I'm going to talk positively for a second about some of the things that that potentially could go our way, uh, and then we'll get your prediction um, and finish with mine, and then we can then we can go having. More than done our job today, I think. Um, so positive things. First of all, winter break. We've had time to reflect. I know we'd had a similar break uh, before the last couple of games as well. We kind of thought we might come back fresh, certainly with some uh, some injuries returned. But this time, you know, there were, you know, as much as we picked up an injury to Tompkins, um, it's more of a chance for people to have been training together, coming, you know, working on plans, working on shape, um, getting that little bit more fitness through training. Those that are coming back from injury. Um, you know the, the the break, the sunshine break, will sometimes do people good, will sometimes affect others. You know, maybe we're in a position where it will be of a benefit to us, and it have cost Newcastle a bit of momentum. You just don't know, really. Um, but going into that game, I think you know now it's it's an opportunity. You've got a break, and, and mentally, when you come back from that, you can almost reset. And you know, Roy's an experienced manager, and I'm convinced that he would have done that. He would have said, "Well, welcome back. Forget everything that came before the break." Season starts now. Let's look at our next games and, and let's get these points, get this underway, get this pressure off. 
And if he does that and gets the mentality right, and he's able to start a first half like he starts the second half, you know, and not have us with that impetus, with that momentum when we're chasing a game, you know, try and actually get ourselves ahead in a match and make a positive change to get a goal rather than just hope that you score because you're playing reasonably well, which is my biggest bugbear with him. So if all of those things line up, I can see us getting a result here. I'm not going to predict it. I'm going to predict a nil-nil. <laughs> but um, but uh, I just, yeah, I just think we really will struggle to score. But um, but that's where I am. That's as positive as I can get. How about yourself? I mean, it's more positive than me, unsurprisingly. Um, I think, like I said, I think it's going to be a, a, not a great game to watch. I think two teams trying their best not to lose rather than trying to win. Um, I just got a horrible feeling that Joel Linton will score, um, and then we'll we'll make a, we'll miss a couple of chances near the end, and we'll lose one nil. Well, there we go, and uh, and definitely get down the bookies and lump on that if uh, if your recent record is anything to go by. Well, that was nice, wasn't it? So, uh, just a quick reminder: do of course check out our sponsor, Pitch Sport Football. Uh, check out their social media presence and their website. You can get a link to download their app on the App Store or Google Play. Uh, check out the app. Like I say, quite quite uh, simple at the moment, but a, a nice little resource to start interacting with us and them. Uh, they do their own um, general football podcast, which is hosted by Paul Scovold and John Salarco and features me this week. So get on that, have a listen and, and, and see what you think. Um, you know, they're, they're just starting out. They're building something quite entertaining and uh, we're, we're glad to be along for the ride. So, Definitely get on that. The review show will, of course, be out after the Newcastle game. Um, I nearly called it defeat there, but after the Newcastle game. Um, and, of course, Love Sport will probably be out by the time you hear this as well. Um, so it's Nick and James this week uh, as DR is off in Turkey. If you can believe that, Heskiff, in, he's oh, they're going to capture him for national service at some point. <laughs> they really are. So he's doing an Albert. Yeah. And it will all go wrong and he'll never come home. Absolutely right. But devastating not to have him with us, of course. He could have stepped in today, couldn't he? We could have had Dio on the preview show. Imagine it. God, imagine. Oh, dear. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. But anyway, thank you very much to me for producing. Thank uh, for joining me. <laughs> um, and, yeah, of course, we'll we'll catch you again soon. Bye. Oh, he says up the palace, doesn't he? Up the palace. Up the palace. Yeah, yeah. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.